This was an enormous historic event. Um, Einstein's theory of general relativity predicted the existence of gravitational waves a hundred years ago, and this is the first time that they've ever been detected. And that gives us a window into observing a lot of parts of the universe that we have no other way to see. So one of the ways that we've expanded our knowledge of the universe is to expand into different kinds of radiation that we can see. At first, we built telescopes and only looked in visible light. Then we built radio telescopes and microwave telescopes and x-ray telescopes and gamma-ray telescopes and infrared telescopes, and each of these has allowed us to see sources that we couldn't see in visible light or to learn more things about those sources. But all of those have their own limitations. There are many sources that are not emitting enough radiation for us to see at the distances that they're at, um, or that radiation can't reach us, but they are in some cases emitting gravitational waves, like these in spiraling black holes, and gravity waves pass through everything. There is essentially nothing that you can put in the way to block a gravity wave except a black hole itself. Um, so if there's an event like this happening in the midst of a dense galaxy, we can just look right through that galaxy and study the details of that event. So it's not obvious on the face of it that a gravitational wave has anything to do with gravity. We think of gravity as this force that holds us down on the Earth, makes us feel heavy. What does that have to do with ripples in length? And the answer is that gravity is itself, according to Einstein, a change in the space and time around us. The difference being that, going back to the analogy I used before, when you have the sun, if you picture it as sitting on this rubber sheet, it warps the sheet around it, it warps space around it. The Earth warps space around it, and being in that space, we feel pulled towards the Earth. But that's static. The space around the Earth is always in that same warped shape, and we are always feeling that pulled down. If you shook the Earth back and forth really hard, you would create gravitational waves. And we would experience that as this ripple, something going back and forth instead of a steady pull in one direction. But we don't experience it that way because the gravitational waves are so much weaker. So the detector, called LIGO for Laser Interferometry Gravitational Wave Observatory, consists of two perpendicular arms, each of which is about two and a half miles long. And they're measuring when the length of one arm gets a little longer than the other. And then it switches and they go back and forth, that tells them there's a gravity wave passing through. And in this particular event, the length of each arm changed by a few ten thousandths the diameter of a proton. And they were able to measure a two and a half mile arm changing by that amount. And they're able to do that using an incredibly sensitive technique called interferometry. The way that works, you have your two perpendicular arms, 
and you send a laser beam up to the corner and then split it in two so that that one laser beam goes down both arms, hits a mirror, and comes back. And because it started as the same beam, it's perfectly in phase in the two arms, and then you adjust the mirrors and you tune everything so that it's coming back once again perfectly in phase. And now if one of the arms grows by a tiny, tiny amount, that laser is going to be taking a longer path and the two beams are going to get out of phase with each other. And you can measure when two beams of light are in phase or out of phase. So you can tell these tiny differences. And what they're looking for is a pattern where it goes out of phase in one direction, then the other, then the other, as each arm alternately gets longer and shorter as the wave passes through. So that's the basic idea of it, and it's a very, very sensitive technique. You can measure these tiny changes. The problem is, the changes are so small that they're happening all the time for all kinds of reasons. Um, so one way that they guard against that is that they have two, one in Louisiana and one in Washington State. So they only believe that they've really measured a gravitational wave if both detectors get the same signal. In order to produce noticeable gravitational waves, you have to take an enormous mass and have it oscillate back and forth violently enough to send out these ripples. And that doesn't tend to happen very often. Um, and once you do, those ripples get weaker and weaker as they go out. So unless you're very close to the event, it's very hard to detect. But there are events that happen in the universe that cause huge masses to swing back and forth very, very rapidly. In the event that was recorded by LIGO, there were two black holes orbiting each other. That means that they had once been two very massive stars orbiting each other. And when they used up their fuel, each one of them separately collapsed down to a black hole. So now you have two black holes orbiting each other. And initially they're going to be pretty far apart at whatever distance the stars were. But as they orbit and they lose energy, they get closer and closer. And the reason they're losing energy is because they're emitting gravitational waves. But initially that's a very slow process. They gradually lose energy. The closer they get, the faster they're spiraling which means the more gravitational waves they're producing, which means they're losing energy faster. So they spiral in more. And so the, it becomes a runaway process where they spiral in faster and faster and faster. And after a long, long time of orbiting each other, they have a quarter second of violently spiraling and colliding. And that's the event that we were actually able to witness. People think of the Big Bang as a point in space from which everything exploded. But in fact, the Big Bang was not a point in space. There's nowhere in space you can point to and say that's where the Big Bang happened. The Big Bang happened everywhere, in all of space, simultaneously. Rather than a point in space, the Big Bang was a moment in time when the entire universe began expanding outward. 
But you have to imagine now an entire universe, which for all we know could be infinite, filled with dense matter, and all of it emitting gravitational waves in every direction. So, if there were gravitational waves emitted like that in the early universe, they are passing by us all the time, and there's always new ones coming from farther and farther away, because this was happening throughout the whole universe all at once about 14 billion years ago. When we look out using light, we can see farther and farther back in time. If I look a billion light years away, I see what the universe looked like a billion years ago. And I can look two billion years ago, three billion years ago, 13 billion years ago. And a little bit after that, I hit a limit. And that limit is not all the way back at the Big Bang. Because for the first 400,000 years after the Big Bang, the universe was opaque. And I mean that in the literal, normal English usage of the word. If you and I had some kind of incredible technology suits that would let us live in the conditions back then, and we were sitting two feet away from each other, we would not see each other. It would be like being in the middle of a wall. After 400,000 years, the universe became transparent. So the earliest light that we can see is from the universe when it was about 400,000 years old. And that earliest light is called the cosmic microwave background radiation. And we've learned a tremendous amount about the early universe from that radiation. But if we could see something that was able to pass through the plasma that existed before that, we'd get a window onto an earlier part of the universe. And there are other possibilities for things that might someday enable us to do that. Uh, we believe that neutrinos, which is a kind of particle that can pass through solid matter very easily, have been able to freely stream through the universe since about one second after the Big Bang. But neutrinos are extraordinarily hard to detect. If we can measure gravity waves from the early universe, those have been freely passing through the universe back to the earliest times we know about. Um, right in that first fraction of a second of the universe's existence. Now that's a big if, because there's a lot we don't know about that early time. We can say with good confidence, gravity waves should have been produced. The universe was extraordinarily dense, there was a lot of matter packed into small spaces, it was oscillating, but what do they look like? How strong are they? Are they strong enough for us to possibly detect today? We don't know. Um, we can make different models of the early universe, some of which predict that they would be observable today, some of which predict that they wouldn't. So one thing that people are going to be working on over the next few decades is looking for gravitational wave signals from the early universe. If we find them, that gives us a huge window into understanding the time right around the Big Bang.